This morning, we are going to talk about how to be thankful. Speaking of that, got a book here, and I'm sure you're all thankful you never had to read this book. It's only 2,400 pages. So if you need a good nap, I got one for you. Uh, the guy who wrote this book, some of you may actually have this book on your shelf, is a guy named Matthew Henry. Uh, he lived a couple hundred years ago. Uh, this is a commentary on the entire Bible. And Matthew Henry is a unique guy. He could read uh, both Latin and Greek by the time he was nine, as I'm sure you all could. Uh, <laughs> I, I read that and I thought, man, this guy is crazy. Um, but what's unique about him, I learned a lot about him, is uh, he was raised in the house of a preacher, but it was at a tumultuous time. Uh, they lived in England because the government had just passed a law that you could only be a preacher if you did what the government wanted you to do with regards to your church. It wasn't just following the Bible. You had to follow the Bible, but you more than that had to follow the government rules or they kicked you out and you weren't allowed to be a preacher anymore. Well, Matthew Henry's dad said, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm only going to follow the Bible. The government doesn't tell me how to preach, so I'm just going to follow the Bible. And so he said, well, you're not a preacher anymore. Uh, and so he went off and did some other things. Uh, but primarily what he did also was he started homeschooling Matthew Henry. He's the one who taught him Greek and taught him Latin and among other things on down into Hebrew and uh, helped grow him up in his schooling. And as Matthew Henry got older, he, uh, having studied scripture his whole life, uh, he heard the Lord speaking to him about what he needed to do with the rest of his life. And he ignored it. And he went off to become a lawyer. And he went to school to be a lawyer. Uh, but going to school to be a lawyer, continuing to study scripture, he finally gave in to the Lord and said, I need to give that up and it, I need to go and be a preacher. And so he left that and went to go study. And in his study and in his uh, going from this church to this church, he met his wife and they got married and they had kids. And, but then he went through some terrible tragedies, Matthew Henry did. He uh, lost several children in infancy. And then his wife died. He got married again, lost several more children in infancy and uh, struggled here and there as he went about. And then he felt convicted of the Lord to write this massive thing. Um, and it's not huge writing, I mean, it's tiny writing, tiny writing. It, yeah, three columns on each page, you know, it's like eight point font and for 2,400 pages. Um, the Lord impressed on him to make a commentary of the entire scripture. And he set about to do that. And it took him a very, very long time to do it. But in studying scripture so intently, he learned something. He learned the very thing we're going to talk about this morning. He learned how to be thankful. So much so that there was one morning, he was walking down the road, and he was robbed. A mugger came out there in England, robbed him, took his wallet, everything he had on him, and ran off. Matthew Henry went home, prayed, spoke to his family, and then he wrote down Sound problems would be amazing. Add that to the list. I don't know what that was, Max. That was probably a, a rogue frequency. Um, but Matthew Henry 
uh, began to write in his journal about his experience of the day. Listen to what he wrote. He said, let me be thankful. First, because I've never been robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because, all they, because although they took everything I had, I didn't have very much. And fourth, let me be thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I who did the robbing. He listed out four different areas to be thankful from having been robbed in the day. If you were ever mugged and they took everything you had, would you sit down that night and list out all the ways that you were thankful? I don't know if that would be my mindset shortly after I was robbed. Um, But that's where he was. Having studied scripture so intently his entire life, he found himself at a place of great thankfulness. Thankful that he'd never been robbed before. Thankful that, that they took his wallet but didn't kill him. Thankful that he didn't have much money for them to steal. You ever thank God you didn't have much money? I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> more often than not, we're all praying, God, we need more money. God, please bless us with a little bit more money. God, please let me have some long-lost, rich, distant cousin who just leaves me everything, and I'm a Disney movie. God, just please let that happen. Uh, but he's, he's thank God he didn't have much money. And then he thanks God that he hasn't yet delved into a life of robbing, knowing that we're all just one decision away from a different lifestyle entirely. But he chose to be thankful that day, all because of how much he had allowed Scripture to take root in his uh, mindset. And we're going to look at that from Scripture today. So open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, If you're going to use the Bible in the pew there in front of you, it's on page 891. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, please take that Bible home. We want everybody to have a Bible, and uh, we have those there in the pew uh, for you if you want one at home. So take it with you. John chapter 6. Now to put you where in the mindset that Jesus is in here in John chapter 6, he's been ministering for some time. Uh, He's grown in popularity both because of what he's teaching and the miracles that he's been doing. Uh, And he's made a lot of friends along the way. Well, one of those friends, who was also a relative of his, um, a close relative of his, John the Baptist, had been in prison for some time. He was in prison for preaching the truth. And uh, uh, the guy who put him in prison brought him out one day and beheaded him. Because, really, uh, because of pride because he didn't want to lose face in front of the people who were around him. So he executed John the Baptist, you know, not because he was guilty of any law that he had broken, uh, but to save face. And Jesus gets word that his friend, his relative, John the Baptist, has been killed in this way. And so he gathers his disciples around him and says, guys, let's go off alone, just us. Let's go up on this, this mountain way over here. Let's get away from all the people um, and let's just, just be up there and, and pray and, and grieve just, just for a little while. And so they, make off, so they make off for this spot, having left all this crowd behind them. And look, at, that's where we get in John chapter 6. That's the mindset we're in. Jesus is in in John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. 
And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. And so Jesus, he's gone away, he's gone up on this mountain, he's sitting there with his disciples. And we learn from the other Gospels the telling of this story. You know, this, this miracle that we're going to read about uh, is the only one outside of the resurrection that's in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They have the resurrection, and they have what we're about to read, all four of them. That's the only two miracles that are in all four Gospels. And so it's an important deal. Well, Jesus goes up on this mountain to pray. This, this, this crowd of thousands had been following him. Well, they figure out where he's going, and they go over there to where he is. And Jesus is up there on the mountainside with his disciples gathered around. They're sitting there. And what we learn from the other Gospels is Jesus begins teaching his disciples and the crowd because the crowd has found him. And he begins teaching the crowd. And what the other Gospels tells us is Jesus teaches them all day long, morning to night. No bathroom break, no lunch break, no snack break. He teaches them all day without stopping. And he's healing them all along the way uh, throughout his teaching. And so here's a little context, verse 4. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Now there's three Passovers mentioned in the ministry of Jesus. One is mentioned at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. One is mentioned at the very end of Jesus' ministry when he's crucified. And then there's this one right in the middle. And so he's here on this mountain. Passover's taking place back in Jerusalem and all around Israel at this time. Verse 5, lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? So Jesus puts the responsibility of feeding this crowd of thousands on his disciples. He says, where are we to buy bread? He says, okay, guys who've been following me and, and not you know, doing your jobs like tax collecting Matthew or fishing, you know, James and John and Peter and Andrew, you've not been doing your jobs, you've been walking with me everywhere we're going. Now you guys pool your money and see how we can feed these thousands and thousands and thousands of people. We're going to learn in a minute. This is about a crowd. I mean, there's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So it's probably 10 to 15,000 people. So imagine a crowd of people, give or take, that's twice the size of Dequeen, all gathered in one spot. And Jesus says to you, all right, feed them. Go to your bank account, get all your money, and feed them. He said, where are we going to buy food to feed all these people? Look at Philip's response. I love how Jesus asked Philip this. Like, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it would have been safe to be one of the other 11, right? But Jesus points to Philip and said, where are we going to feed all these people? And if I'm like Thaddeus, I'm thinking, whew, missed that one. I'm glad he asked Philip and not me. And here's Philip's response. And I said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii. That's 200 days worth of work. A denarii was how much, a denarius, how much somebody made in a day, uh, give or take. He said, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little bit, one bite. Philip says, if we, all of us, us 12 guys and you, Jesus, had, if, the implication here is they don't have this much money, 200 denarii, they don't have this much money. And Philip is saying, even if we did have that much money to go buy stuff, there's no place that's going to have that much food in order to feed all these people. 
I mean, if Jesus came in this room physically right now and he said, all right, First Baptist Church to Queen, I need you to go up to Walmart and buy enough food to feed 15,000 people. Do y'all think Walmart's got enough food to feed 15,000 people right now on its shelves? Probably not. Because somebody already bought all the bread that we normally buy. So, not that we're bitter or anything. But they, Jesus says this question, all right, where are you going to buy food? And Philip said, Jesus, like, there's no way. No, we, first off, Jesus, we don't have the money. Like, we do not have enough money to do this. Jesus, you know us, Jesus. I'm walking on broken sandals. We don't have enough money to do this. Not only that, where's the nearest store we're going to go and buy enough bread just for all these people to eat one tiny bite, much less eat to be full? Like, how is this even possible? And all that Philip is looking at, and the disciples are all thinking the exact same thing Philip is, they're, they're focused on what they don't have. They're only focused on the lack. They're focused on what they are falling short of. But look at this. So Philip says this, and then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So again, we get the impression from Andrew, this is what we have, but it's not enough, Jesus. This is, what we have is not enough. What we have in our possession is not enough. Now, I've heard preachers kind of paint Andrew here as a bully, like he went and rest, arm wrestled this away from some little kid, like, give me your lunch, and brings it to Jesus. All we have, Jesus, is this little food, like, but that's not in the text. I mean, it almost, the way it reads, is almost as though the little boy overhears them and he offers up his lunch as a sacrifice. This is what I have. Y'all can use it. And so Andrew brings it to Jesus and says, Jesus, all we, all we have is this, like this little kid's snack pack. It's all we have to feed all these. This isn't even enough to feed me, Jesus. Uh, uh, and this is the only food in the crowd. How in the world is this possible? Jesus does not answer the question. Verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. So 5,000 men. What's interesting too, they, even John who wrote this, they only count the men. But who was the one who brought the offering? Child. Someone they didn't even consider worthy to be counted was the one who brought the offering. It's just interesting that it, the, the child's not in it for the recognition of the offering. He brings it whether he's counted or not. And so everybody sits down. Uh, verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now go back, look at verse 12 again. When they had eaten their fill, their fill, like they are full. We're not talking like what Philip mentioned a minute ago, this one little tiny bite that they all might get. I mean, we're talking like they were full. Like come this Thursday, some of you are going to be sitting around a table eating Thanksgiving, you know, either lunch or dinner, however you situate it, and uh, before or after the Cowboy game, um, and 
not everyone at the table is going to eat the same amount, right? But everybody's going to eat their fill. Some with two, three, four pieces of pumpkin pie, however it plays out. Uh, and Jesus, it, 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 John, who's writing this, is communicating, having been there in the crowd, everybody ate to bursting, like loosen the belt. Bur- everybody ate as much as they wanted. Nobody walked away from that grassy field hungry, not even one person. Every one of them was full from the fish and the bread that day. They said, give me some, I, I need some more over here. Like that, that group over there, they got a little more than I do. I need a little bit more fish over here, Peter. They all ate their full, or to the full, leaning back in the grass. Oh, kind of creaking. Oh, that was good. Ooh, Jesus food. I like that Jesus food. That's good. And they gathered up and had 12 basketfuls of leftovers. But back up a minute to where Jesus, uh, verse 5, when he asked his disciples, puts you know, the, the uh, onus on them to feed the people, and then they focus on the lack. They focus on the fact that they are incapable of feeding. Have you ever felt responsible for something, or that Jesus maybe gave you an assignment to do something? Maybe it's, maybe it's the Great Commission, or, 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 or uh, you feel like he wants you, you know, to, to do something at your job, or he wants you just to, to, to live, and you feel like, Jesus, I don't have enough. I'm incapable of this, Jesus, because I, I just don't have enough. When saying that to the disciples, they're saying back to him, we are incapable of doing this thing. Philip said it. Andrew said it. We are incapable. We, are, we, we, we don't have enough. But then Jesus goes on, and he thanks God for what the disciples only saw as not enough. I mean, the disciples have been around Jesus long enough. They're probably anticipating maybe something's about to happen. But what is, what is Jesus doing thanking God for, for that? Like, he needs, to, he needs to ask God to give us more, and then we can thank God for it. Like, he doesn't need to start off thanking God for this tiny, tiny. God didn't give us enough. Like, God did not give us as much as we need to accomplish what God set us out here to accomplish. Jesus told us to feed the people. We can't feed the people with what he gave us. We're incapable of feeding the people. But Jesus is trying to drive home the point that, yes, disciples, you are incapable. But I'm not. They needed to stop looking at the incapableness of themselves. They needed to stop looking at what they did not have and start just looking to Jesus. Start looking at the one who was capable. Rather than looking to the Lord, definitely rather than looking to a potential thanksgiving spirit, they only looked at their lack. You know, thanksgiving is an intentional mindset. But that intentional mindset that we have to have, you know, to be reflective of of, of what the Lord would have us be, is not on in our spirit by default. I don't know if you know this or not, human beings are not naturally thankful people. Have you all ever experienced that? Anybody around you ever complain a lot? Human beings are, are naturally geared more towards complaining than thankfulness because we're selfish people. We're selfish creations. To be thankful, we have to look to Jesus and not ourselves. We have to look to Jesus and not our situation. We have to look to Jesus and not comparison. But when we complain, we look more towards ourselves instead of to Jesus. I read a deal this week. A study was done 
uh, and I, I believe it's conservatively done uh, and found these results, that the average person complains 30 times a day, whether out loud or mentally or just in a sigh or in a roll of your eyes, oh my word, complains 30 times a day. I think whoever filled out that survey straight lied. <laughs> like uh, uh, Complaining at times seems to be a built-in natural part of who we are because we're sinners. And we, we complain about a variety of things. I mean, with the exception of the Arkansas game last night, how about the previous few Arkansas games? I bet you you complained a lot more than 30 times just in the period of that one game. Definitely that what should have been a touchdown a week or two ago, that was, that was definitely wrong. I'm complaining right here in front of you. Uh, we complain all the time. But complaining is really the inverse of thanksgiving. Because, again, it's pointing the eyes on ourselves. But if you ever want to know how God really feels about complaining, write this down. Read Numbers chapter 11. You're going to read it, and you're going to see the Israelites complain, and God respond. You're going to see the Israelites complain again, and then God responds again. It happens twice in one chapter. At one point, they get poisoned, and another point, a bunch of them burn to death. God's not a fan of complaining. I'm not saying he's about to open up the ground and shoot fire at us right here, right now. Because I know none of you have ever complained in this room ever before. Man, the preacher's going real long today. He needs to shut his mouth. Uh, but God's not a fan of it. Because complaining focuses on you and not Jesus. And he wants our attention on him, on, on seeing his provision, on seeing his power and what he can do in us and through us and for us. And when we do that, we have a spirit of thanksgiving. Like I opened the story with Matthew Henry and we can see how we can be thankful even though the situation does not seem as though it is a very thankful situation. Like Jesus asking the disciples to feed these people when they don't feel like they have enough. They don't, they're not very thankful, so Jesus thanks for them. But what we have to do when we're faced with a situation that is not very thankful, maybe come this Thursday, you're going to be, it's Thanksgiving Day, How, what am I thankful for? And your mind's going to go blank. And you, you, you're having trouble thinking of things you can be thankful for. I guess I can be thankful because I'm alive, and I can be thankful because I'm saved, and uh, that's about it. At that point, we need to switch on thanksgiving within our spirit and have a new level of awareness and observation. Let me illustrate this for you. Hey, Jared, I forgot to ask you. Will you come help me a little bit? I got a switch at the store the other day. Jared's going to be Jesus for us for illustrative purposes. Okay. We should have Amanda in here for this part, right? No. <laughs> she can see that I'm calling you Jesus. All right, so we got Jesus here. Okay, and this is my thankfulness switch. It's in the off position right now because I'm not looking at Jesus. But then when I look at Jesus, man, I'm thankful. 
That's right. This is what we needed Amanda for. She could hold the switch. She yeah, looks at you okay. and she flips it on. There you go. Yeah. I'll tell her you said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can go, yeah, yeah, cue this up on YouTube. She can watch this part later. Uh, and so I look at Jesus and I'm thankful. And, and I think about how thankful I am to Jesus. Maybe I'm in the middle of my morning prayer. God, thank you so much for salvation. Thank you for providing for my family. Thank you for, for, for health. Thank you for, for paying that bill that I don't know where the money came from. And I'm looking at Jesus. I'm thinking about Jesus. But the moment I get up off my knees, and I look at my phone. Or the moment I get up off my knees and realize I don't have enough in the pantry to cook everybody breakfast. I don't have enough gas in the car. Instantly, from looking at Jesus, I go, turn that switch right off. And Jesus, he can kind of grab at me. And Jesus can kind of try to bring my attention back. And he can flip the switch back on. Thank you, Jesus. I look away instantly. And I come back, and he tries to get my attention again. He's waving in front of my eyes, like, I'm over here. Look at me. Look at me. Here's some money. I'm giving you money. I'm paying that bill again. And he flips that switch back on. Thank you so much, Jesus. I can't believe that person said that on Facebook. Mm, that is so mean. They are not a Christian because they said that on Facebook. They need to get right with Jesus. They need to get so right with Jesus. I'm going to hold this switch down. And Jesus is trying to get my attention. See, he's trying to get my attention. And he's trying to flip the switch back on. But I'm holding that sucker down. I, uh -uh, I'm not being thankful today. Oh, I need to be thankful. Okay. Okay. I need to be thankful. It's Thanksgiving Day. Come Thursday. It's thank We're going around the table. I, this is what I'm thankful for. And that person next to you says what they're thankful for. And you instantly go, I cannot believe they said that. I, ca I cannot believe they said that. I know what they did last week, and they are, they are straight lying before the Thanksgiving table. Man, I hope their green beans really mess up their digestive system here in a second. Man, I am so thankful that we are gathered together as a family right now. But I'm not. I'm just saying it, but I'm not. None of y'all do that, right? Y'all are always like this, right? Y'all are always switch, switched on. I'm always thankful. I'm always thankful. I get robbed, and I am so thankful for it. No, I mean, we're all about that switched-offness. We're all about it. When Jesus is right there with us, he's in the storm. He's with us everywhere we go. He's got all the provision we need to feed the 15,000 people. He's got it. But we don't think for a second to thank him for what he's already given us. All we're looking at is what we don't have. All we're looking at is the lack. And so that's what keeps our switch in the, in the off position. Because we don't look at Jesus. We don't look at the provider. We look at what we feel like he has not provided. What's missing from the situation. Something's not here. Something's not right. Something should be here. And it's not here. He didn't give it to me. So I'm keeping this in the off position. But what we got to do, though, is Jesus sits down and he thanks the Lord for what the disciples thought was not enough. And everything changed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what we have to do as followers of Jesus is we have to intentionally turn this switch on. Because by default, our very nature wants to be ungrateful. And, and what that means is, that either means that we are, are not seeing the reality of all that he's provided for us, or we've forgotten all that he's provided for us. Later, when you go read Numbers chapter 11, and those 
Israelites went from complaining to being punished and immediately complaining again. How do they forget? Like it just, like a couple days ago, it just happened. And we're the exact same way. We keep the switch in the opposition. We're all about the complaining, all about the sour face. Man, I cannot believe that. I, mm, I, mm. Man, that is terrible. Man, this world is terrible. What's happening to that person is terrible, and it is. But God has still provided for us. God has still given us opportunities. God has still given us, you know, life, an opportunity to worship him, and he's given us salvation. If salvation was it, that is more than enough to keep our switch in the on position for eternity. But he's given us way more than that, way more than that. And we've got to keep our mind focused on the Lord. Look at what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3. Paul wrote, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he says, everything you do, that's everything you speak, everything you do in action, do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks while you're doing it. Let's just, over the last week, has everything you done or spoken, would you say you are now able to thank God for that thing? Everything you did or said. Or maybe the, maybe the thing that you did or said, would the person you did or said it to or for be able to thank God for you saying it or doing it? I know for me that's a no. <laughs> but Paul's saying, Try. Try to keep your switch in the on position. Try to keep your switch in the on position and focus on the Lord so that whatever you do in word or deed, you're doing it for him, giving thanks in the midst of it. And this is Paul. Paul who's been beaten. Paul who's been stoned to death. Paul who's been, you know, uh, uh, falsely arrested. Imprisoned for years for something he didn't do, citing insurrection. And he says, wherever you find yourself, be thankful. God's got a purpose. God's got, got, he's got something for you to do, to accomplish. Do it in his name and be thankful in it. You don't have to be thankful for it. I mean, like Matthew Henry, he wasn't thankful that he got robbed. He got thankful because of other situations, other reasons. But there's still things to be thankful for. It's still there. And if we're having trouble seeing it, it's because we're not looking to the Lord. It's because we're not looking to him. It's because we're looking to us. I've known people who I would consider going through the worst difficulties and pain that I've ever seen demonstrate the spirit of thankfulness on a level that I was not in the moment, and my life was perfectly fine, especially comparatively. And they're demonstrating a spirit of gratitude to the Lord. Saw so a family lose a teenage daughter, thankful for who she was, the, the love she had for Jesus and pouring Jesus into her friends. And they said, her funeral service doesn't need to be about her. It needs to be about Jesus. 
And the song that they had sung was Jesus is the answer for the world today. Out of a spirit of thankfulness for the Lord's provision and power, even in the midst of unbearable grief. Where is your spirit of thankfulness today? Comparatively to where he would have you be. When he stands before you and has a responsibility or or you stand in your life and you look at what you have and what you don't have, do you focus more on the lack or on what he has already given you? You know, by, by looking at what you think you don't have, you miss what God has already given you. If all you're focused on is the lack thereof, if all you're focused on is what is not there and what you don't have, then you look right past what's sitting right in front of you, what God's already put there for you. And what God's already given you is more than enough. I mean, he, he put in that crowd, that little, kid's, that little kid was there with the snack for this very purpose. But the, the, the disciples said, okay, this is here, but it's not enough. Like, Okay, God gave me this, but it's not enough. God, God provided this, but it is not enough to do what he's got for me to do. But if God's given it to you, it's more than enough to do what he needs you to do in whatever capacity he wants you to do it. We have to trust him. We have to thank him. That's why Jesus said, all right, have everybody sit down. We're going to thank God for what he's given. And Philip and Andrew are thinking, yeah, this is not enough. I don't know what Jesus is going to do. I mean, he's going to feed the first two people, and that's it, and they're going to be starving you know, they just had just a little bit. It's like eating one, you know, Lay's chip, and you're going to want more because the salt, and you just can't get enough. And they weren't looking at who was the one doing the blessing. They weren't looking at who, the one who was doing the providing. They were just looking at what they thought was not enough. But God was about to show them up because they needed to understand what it means to have a thankful heart. A thankful heart always looks to the Lord. A thankful heart always looks to the Lord rather than looking to yourself, rather than looking at your circumstance. A thankful heart looks to the Lord. And you can say all day long, well, I'm just not wired to to, to be constantly thankful. Well, none of us are. That's why we got to be intentional about it. That's not an excuse at all. But we need to work on it and strive towards it. It's not something you're going to do in a day. It's going to take time. It's going to take intentional effort to work towards being thankful. But what that means is looking to the Lord at every opportunity. Looking to the Lord even though it's hard. Looking to the Lord even though things aren't going right. When the heat isn't working in the sanctuary. When you misprint the bulletin. When you spill tea on yourself in front of everybody in the room. You still got to be thankful to the Lord when your kids are sick at home. Be thankful, not because they're sick. Be thankful because you've got kids. Be thankful because of the influence they have on your lives. Be thankful because you've got somebody to take care of your kids. Be thankful because the Lord has provided a community that can help care for your kids and a doctor who's two seconds away from your house. Be thankful. Look for opportunities to be thankful. And transform your life into one of gratitude rather than one of complaining. How would you rather be known? 
come the end of your life and they're standing at your service and 15 people get up to say something and every one of them says, man, they sure did complain a lot. Like, a lot about everything. The Walmart parking. They complained about whether they had the right kind of bread that day. They complained about uh, uh, not having a Chick-fil-A in town. They complained about the refs on TV. They complained about this, that, and the other thing. They complained about the neighbor who, who you know, keeps burning stuff all the time and the smoke gets in their house. They keep complaining, complaining about not having enough money for this. They keep plain, complaining about the kind of car they drive. They keep plain, complaining about the gas prices. They keep plain, complaining about everything. Or would you rather have all the people get up and say, man, they were so thankful. I didn't come in to meet, talk to them one time without them expressing gratitude for the Lord. They always left me feeling thankful for what the Lord's given me. That doesn't happen overnight. It's not instantaneous. You can't just flip a switch on that one. But you've got to work on keeping your switch in the on position, being thankful. So that when the enemy comes and he tries to drive a wedge in your brain to be, un, to be uh, you know, to have ingratitude, to be unthankful, uh, and he's going to try to force that switch down, you've got to say, no, sir, the Lord has given me so much. The Lord has provided so much. I live at a time when I can access Scripture. There was a time in human history where you could not access Scripture without going to prison. And the Lord has given us so much and so much opportunity. And you've got to keep, keep your thankfulness at a high level. Being thankful always, at all times. And so this week, as we think about thanksgiving, I want you to process in your own personal spirit right now, sitting in your green pew, what are you thankful for right now? What are you thankful for? Maybe in a minute we got this prayer pew here and we got a bunch of prayer requests. Maybe you need to come and put some more prayer requests up here that the Lord impressed on you. Maybe you need to come and put some thank, thanksgiving notes on this thing. Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for this. I think, maybe you need to write two, one to put on the pew, one to take home and stick on your bathroom mirror towards a reminder of being thankful. What are you thankful for? Maybe what you need to do right now is you need to have a, an experience, a moment of something to be thankful for. Maybe you need to be thankful for salvation and you've never been saved. And you need to come to Jesus today believing that he is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven and he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. Maybe you need to believe in that and leave here with a whole new life being thankful because he's given you salvation today. Maybe you need to be baptized today. Baptistry's full and it's warm. Show the world you belong to Jesus. Or put your life in here in the church. Join the church. What would the Lord have you do in the spirit of thanksgiving, that Colossians chapter 3, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks. Over the next 10 minutes, what does that look like? Just the next 10 minutes. Do everything you do, giving thanks. We're going to pray, and we're going to have this time during the next song where you can make that decision. Whether you need to come and get saved, come and say, I need to be baptized, come up here to this pew and write something down and stick on it to be thankful for. Come and pray for somebody who 
Somebody who needs a spirit of thanksgiving this week, renewed in their heart. Whatever the decision the Lord has for you to do, in the name of Jesus, giving thanks, let's do it now.